Those of you who have been around will know that we are um, now at the end of a, ser of a series that I've called Turn Up the Volume. This is part four. And uh, the gist of it is, is that if, what are the loud things coming out of your life? You know, you, people will have an opinion on you. People who you do life with will see you. You might think that you're giving off a sound, but what is the sound that people are receiving? And we need to be intentional about it. And so we're looking at our lives through the eyes of, what am I standing for? What are the noises coming out of my life? Do I want to shift that? Do I need to look at it? And so we're on part four. We've already looked at the idea of not being held in your past. Is the loudest sound coming out of your life that I've been through so much stuff and we keep talking about what went on then and what went on then and we're still there. We're still being held there. And actually we need to go from that and to something. Is the loudest sound coming out of your life that I know whose I am and I'm connected to the Father and as I connect with him, it stabilizes my life, it anchors my life and allows me to press into something. You know, we've looked at all this different stuff together and God is moving us forward and so today I want to move into this idea which I'm calling seeing and believing. Turn to someone you haven't spoke to yet and say, seeing and believing. As a, as a preacher nowadays, I think the, the ballpark shifted in, in the church community worldwide in that so much stuff is accessible. If you wanted to, you could hear 10 incredible preachers from 10 incredible preachers every single day of your life, easily, just on your phone, bang. That never used to be the case. My slight concern is, and I hope you do that kind of thing, but my slight concern is, are we forever listening to great revelation and getting titillated by that, but not actually applying any of it to our life. And so can we as a group apply this message to our life? Don't just hear it and go, oh, that was good. Apply it. When you apply it, things change. You may hear great preachers. I love listening to T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick and Joyce Mayer. The list is endless. They're brilliant. But unless you allow the revelation into your heart and start living something different, nothing changes. It's just a nice thought. Can we be people who say, Lord, do something in my spirit and I choose, I choose to take my life by the scruff of the neck and walk it out. And as I walk it out, things will change. Just imagine if we actually apply the thought that I want to be more connected to my Heavenly Father so I know who I am and whose I am. That changes everything all by itself. But did we hear the message and think that was nice or are we applying the message day to day to keep seeking my Father? You know, are we, we heard the message, oh, don't keep looking back, don't keep looking back, don't keep looking back. But are we still looking back? Was it a nice thought or are we applying it to our lives? Do you see what I'm saying? So as I preach today, my hope and my heart is that you will apply this because there is so much potential in you. The potential in this room is absolutely frightening in a good sense. If we could all step up to our potential, the world would be changed. You know, we've had a great message there from a prophet saying, there's enough of you gathered to rock your world. We could. But the trouble is, will we? And the reality is we will if we start applying these revelations that God's given us. Are you hearing me? So don't just say that's nice. Please encourage me at the end and tell me it was nice. But go and live differently because then will things shift. So I'm calling it seeing and believing. Can we turn up the volume in our life in terms of what we see and what we believe. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom instruction. Uh, some verses will say, uh, where there is no vision, 
Okay, so it's this idea of when you get a revelation from God about something, it sits in your heart and you see something differently. It's a revelation. I see it differently now. So where there is vision, I, I do something about that. And where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And the picture it's building is one like this. It's like a horse and a bridle. You see, the horse, especially if you're thinking about a race horse, they're big, powerful creatures. They can go a long way and they can go fast. And if they're unbridled, they could go over there, over there. Who knows where they're going to go? But they're going to get there fast. But we don't know where it is. But when you bridle them, when you restrain them, the jockey will say, all this power we are harnessing and we are determining to go there. Do you see the difference? So when you have no revelation about who you are, where you're headed, what you want to be about, you are a powerful human being. There's so much potential in you, but you could be going here. Oh, that wasn't right. Oh, I can go over here. Oh, no, no. oh over there. And you're going nowhere at all. But when you say, God, give me revelation so that I see something and I will harness that and bring restraint to that because I am determining to go there. Do you see what the verse is saying? So we need to be people to say, God, give me a revelation. He has put hopes and dreams in you. They're in there. The best thing that I love about my father is he didn't give you a hope or a dream that you couldn't fulfill. He has skilled you for that hope and dream. You see, he gave me a dream to lead a church, but he gave me a gift to communicate. There would be no point in God giving me this great big dream to, to, to build a large church if I'm absolutely freaked out about standing up in front of anyone. That would just be a tease from my father. Yeah, Barry, go and do this, but you're not going to be able to do it because you've got, not got the skills. That's not my father. He says, I've given you a dream, but I'm skilling you for it. And there'll be people here who've got a dream to run a business empire, and you'll have skills for it. There'll be people here who've got a dream to running a harmonious home, and you'll have skills for it. There'll be people who have dreams here to, to go and preach or go, and go on mission or whatever it might be. All kinds of dreams you might have, but I know if God's put it in you, you're skilled for it. But this is the key. Will you restrain your life so that you take those skills in the right direction? And we need to be people who are willing to restrain. What is your clear picture of a better future? Great definition of vision. What do you see? that you want to step into one day, and are you willing to head there, or are you going to go off over there and go off over there? We need restraint. When you see something, you need to say, how am I going to get there on purpose? Maybe your dream is to be healthier. It's a lot of people's dreams nowadays. But if you're going to fulfill that dream, you need to restrain your life. You need to look at your diet. You need to look at your sleep patterns. You need to look at your exercise. And if you're not willing to, to restrain yourself in those areas, you're not going to achieve your dream. You're going to go off over here, and you're going to go off over there, and you're going to go off over there, do a fad diet for 10 minutes, and run off over here, and go running twice over here, and try all these things, but not do anything at all. Or do you say, actually, I am determined that I want to be healthier, so I'm restraining my life and I'm heading in that direction. That means that I have to make different choices continually. You are restraining yourself. Maybe it is your dream to have a holiday, a dream holiday. And Sarah and I, we have a dream that in two years' time we're, we're celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. Yes, she's put up with me for that long. But it's our dream to take our children to Disneyland. Wouldn't that be really cool? It's a dream. Now, if we're going to achieve that in two years' time, we need to restrain ourselves now in terms of our finances because the money, well, God could drop it out of the sky, but he tends to use people. But we're going to play our part in saying, we're going to start saving towards that, which means I can't have a takeaway every night. 
Do you see what I'm saying? We are restraining ourselves because we've got a dream and we're heading there. And we're doing it on purpose. So often I think we pray prayers to God as if he's going to go piff, paff, puff and make it all happen. And yes, he can, but he's more interested in your character. Because if your character's not changing, you get there and you can't handle it anyway. So what he does, he does something here and you take steps towards it. And there are steps of restraint because of a vision. So we need to be people who are saying, yeah, I know I'm heading somewhere. I've got a dream. and I know God's put it in there. I've got this revelation. So I can't cast off restraint anymore. I need to decide I'm going there. Do you hear me? Turn to three people and say, this is good. Maybe your dream is to be the CEO of a company one day. And I love, especially with students, I love talking and the dreams they carry. And and it's just like, you, you talk about that, but to get there, what are the steps you need to take? You know, are you studying the right thing? Are you hooking up with the right people? Are you listening to the right mentors? Are you putting yourself in the right places? Because if your dream is to go there, you have to restrain yourself and make choices all of the time. And it starts now. So you can see why I highlighted at the beginning. There's no point today going out there and not living any different after this message. You need to decide, and I'm going to believe this morning, that if you haven't got a dream, God's going to give you one. Because then you have to go out and you can't carry on living the same way. You've got to restrain so that you're going to get there. Which is why we need to apply it. Rather than go out there and go, oh, that was nice, wasn't it? I really like that. Oh, Barry's funny, isn't he? I hope I'm funny, but I hope I shift something in you. Because you are worth it. And I will fight for you guys because you're amazing. So celebrating 13 years of Kessa today, it's great the way this is falling, this message. And I, I could pretend I planned it, but I didn't. Um, but God's doing some amazing stuff here. We're celebrating 13 years as a church. And the reason we're celebrating that is because one day God gave me a dream. Many of you might know the story, but Sarah and I were attending Hillsong Church in London at the time. And um, the senior pastor came out. It was an Easter service. They had rented out a new venue, which was the biggest uh, venue they could get at the time. I think it was 4,000 seats. We queued up. You know, you, who wants to be queuing up to get in church? You know, it was about five people deep going around the building and people coming up going, oh, what's on? What's going on? What's happening? This is church. Oh, lovely. This is church. <laughs> I want that church. Do you know, have you ever heard of Audacious Church in Manchester? We're friends with the senior pastors there. They're they're amazing. And do you know their dream? Their dream is to stop the traffic. That's their dream. Because they live in Manchester. If Manchester United or Manchester City play at home, 50, 60, 70,000 people all go to the same place at the same time and you can't move for the traffic. The traffic stops. And so their church dream is to be so big that it stops the traffic. What's going on here? A man you playing? No, Jesus is in town. Come on. (laughs) Let's get bigger, church. Come on, God can do stuff like that, and I want to believe it. So God, I was in this service with Sarah, and senior pastor comes out, a little Australian dude, you might know him, Gary Clark, and um, he's not an emotional man. Australians don't tend to be, do they? Little tough dude, and he comes out, and he is an absolute gibbering wreck. He is blubbing his eyes out. He's uncontrollable. And do you know when a man cries, for the first minute, it's like, oh, and then after 30 seconds, it's like, this is awkward. But after two minutes, it's like, oh, no, this is, oh, oh, do I sit down? Do I look at the floor? Do I cry with him? There's all this emotion going around the room. And he pulls himself together and he says, sorry, guys. He said, I came here four years ago to plant Hillsong London. And he said, I walked around the city and I saw this building and I said, God, I want to see the Hillsong banner on this building one day. And you've got to bear in mind, at that point, it was 20 people, 4,000 seater. And he, and he said, today is the fulfillment of what I saw. And in that moment, the band, and they're brilliant, aren't they? And the whole crowd's like, ah. 
And in that moment, God spoke to me. And I don't know how God speaks to you, but I knew. When someone says, do you know, how do you know it's God? So you just know. You almost can't put words around it. I just know. He said, Barry, God needs a great church like this, and I want you to do it. I was like, ooh, ooh. It took me a couple of years to pluck up the courage. And then I started making a few phone calls. And um, just found a few people and said, you know, feel like God's given me a dream, vision, to create a church here in Colchester. You need something different, believing for something big. And, and, and everyone's going, yeah, we'll stand with you. And originally my family stood with me. And, and then I believe we started with uh, 17 people, I think, said, yeah, we'll, we'll come and stand with you. And at that moment, do you know what we had to do? We had to restrain. Because 17 people can't start building a church but living the same lifestyle. Suddenly we had to free up practice time. Suddenly we had to free up Bible study time. Suddenly we had to have conversations about how is this thing even going to work. Suddenly we had to stump up some cash to say we're going to rent a building. Suddenly we had to just change stuff. But because we had conviction in our heart and we believed in the dream, we were prepared to restrain and go somewhere. And we've had all kinds of ups and downs in church life. But just look at the amazing people sat around you. Just so many great, great things going on right now. If you started the church with us, if you were in the first launch process, will you stand up or give us a wave? Have a look around. Some of us are still here. Give them a clap. Awesome. Stay standing a moment. If you have you been with the church for more than seven years, could you also stand up? Look at these people. Come on. Yes. I'm just going to pray a prayer over these guys because you guys are significant. Colchester is already different because of you. Lives are already changed because of you, but more is to come. So, Lord God, I thank you for these amazing people. Come on, church, let's stretch out to them. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their willingness to serve. I thank you for the things they've given up to play their part here. Lord, I call in the blessing right now over him in Jesus' name. I pray for a new season for all of them, an open window season, Lord God, where things would just shift quickly. Lord God, do your business with us. But also, Lord God, we continually make ourselves available. Do more. And thank you, Lord God, that we're surrounded by a great crowd of brilliant, gifted, talented people who say we'll run with you. The best is yet to come, Kesset Church. And all God's people said? Awesome. So we rented a building and uh, we launched this thing. And I love it that God gives you victories on the way. I always use the story of David in that, that we all know... David's Goliath story, but before that he had a bear and he had a lion. And along the way he was doing something in him and giving him victories. And then he had a public victory. Everyone knows Goliath. Everyone saw Goliath. Everyone would have been talking about Goliath. And it was David in the midst of it. But he'd been on a journey and God gave him victories. But the Goliath moment wasn't it. What God was doing was preparing David to be the king of the nation. What, what he was preparing to do was to bring that nation and to walk them through in a godly manner. But he gave him victories along the way. And we've had lots of victories. I was just recalling some stuff. And um, we had our first ever wedding. You know, we started church with a few people in the front room. Now people are getting married. You know, I, I, think, I think I'm right in saying that Io Becky, stand up quickly, give us a wave, Io Becky. They are the first couple. <laughs> yeah. They are the first couple, I think, who actually met in Kessed Church. Didn't know each other before Kessie Church, met in Kessie Church, and are now married. How cool is that? Love you guys. You can sit down. So there are other people who got married beforehand, but they were already a couple. But these two met in Kessie Church. So young people, if you want to meet someone, it's a good place to be. Just saying. We had our first salvation. Interestingly enough, it was a quite an amazing thing. I don't know how spiritual you want to get right now, but 
the, our first ever salvation response was from a local person who made a living out of tarot cards. You know, whether or not you call her a witch, I don't know. But you know, she was into the wrong side of the spiritual realm and making a living out of it. And she came to our church and she met Jesus. And it's just, just like, you know, God's given us something here. People are meeting Jesus all the time. And I felt that was significant at the time. And we had our first ever guest ministry. You know, some, it was Sam Monk all the way from New Zealand came and preached for us. It was a great, great thing. First baptism. I got to preach away from church for the first time. We've had all these wins along the way. And I just know there's much, much more to come. I, I felt in my heart that we needed to just uh, uh, honour someone who was real part of our church, especially in the early days. It's Josh Lewis. And um, this might be a bit difficult for you, Beck, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and Beth and Miri. This was Josh. And uh, he, unfortunately, was the first funeral I've had to lead. And he died at 26, I believe, from a, a, a cancerous brain tumour. Um, the doctors gave him just a short time to live, but he lived seven years with it, was it? A long, long time anyway. And he would love what's happening now. He was so pro-Kessid. You know, I, I don't know what we believe in terms of him looking down from heaven, but if he was looking down from heaven, he's like, come on, church. He was bang up for it. If there was a team, he was on it. <laughs> if there was an event, he was at it. And if there was jumping at the front, he was at the front. He was this guy, he was Mr. Kessid, and you know, you look through, through our Facebook page, and Eka, who is the girl stood with him, just said when she first joined the team, she was so thankful for Josh because she, he welcomed her in and made her feel part of the family, and he carried the heartbeat that we carry. So I just wanted to honor him because he was, uh, you know, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be the church God wants us to be. This, this is awesome, but this isn't it. This is some of the victories along the way. You guys are amazing, and some of you may move on to other things, but I hope we can still play our part in your journey. But those of you who are saying, this is my home, we're going somewhere. But it means restraint. It means maturing. It means making some decisions so that we go somewhere we're currently not. And I believe God's going to stir that in you, even from today. You know, what an honor. You know, when you talk about what's my life about, what an honor to be part of a move of God. You, know, you can read stories about revivals and different amazing preachers and women who have done stuff and just amazing, amazing things. I believe God's going to trump all of it. And I believe we're going to be in the middle of it. But again, what kind of lifestyle are you prepared to live so that you're available to that calling? And we need to restrain. We need to say, God, I want to be about your business. And if I need to shift some of my thought processes, if I need to shift some of my habits, I'm prepared to do it so I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people. And one day we'll be talking about the move of God that we were in the middle of. So get excited because God's doing some amazing, amazing stuff. I just want to look at this uh, story. You may well be familiar with it, with, with Elijah in the cloud. It's here in 1 Kings. It's chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. The preamble to this passage is that God told Elijah to, to um, prophesy that they wouldn't have any rain. And that was kind of economic suicide for the nation at the time. Ahab was the king. And uh, he had Elijah had proven himself that God was the real God with the fire coming down from heaven and all this kind of stuff. And then he says to Elijah, now we're going to have some rain. See, Elijah sees something. And this is where we're picking it up. Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. Turn the verse next and say heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. 
Carmel's a mountain, by the way. Bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and clouds with uh, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now let's just unpack that just for a split second. When Elijah says, go and eat, because heavy rain is coming, I hear the sound of heavy rain. Could he actually hear the sound of heavy rain? No. But he had a revelation. He had a picture given from God that it was coming. And so what he did is he started to behave now based on what he could see then. He could see it in his spirit, not in his reality, but he was making decisions, restraining his life to step into it so he could experience it as his reality. So he said, this is what you're going to do. Go and do that. They might have been looking around going, what are you it hasn't rained for three years. And you're saying that you go and get ready for heavy rain. I can't see a diggy, but there's not a cloud in the sky. And he's saying, prepare now. The prophet is saying, I see something. You can't see it yet, but I see something in my spirit. Then he takes his poor old servant, and we need to feel for the servant here. He takes his servant to the bottom of Mount Carmel. And he puts his, knees, he puts his head between his knees, like all prophets do. The prophetic, yeah, I'm not very... I'm, and he says, go and have a look. So he climbs to the top of the mountain. Anyone done any mountain climbing? Give me a wave if you're a mountain climber. That's not a five-minute job, is it? He's climbing to the top of the mountain. Not a bean. Diddly squat. Nothing. Comes back down the mountain. Elijah, Elijah, master, nothing. Go again. <sighs> not a bean. Nothing. Diddly squat. Down the mountain. Elijah, master, nothing. Go again! Really though? Are you sure now? Seven times. Seven times. You've got to be feeling for the, for the servant there. You must be thinking, oh, are you sure now? Throw me a bone. How many of us have had that moment where we've had a revelation in our heart and we're saying, but really God, when's that going to happen then? Because I can't see zip. And the prophet says, Go again. Go again. And he comes back down. But what happens? Does he see heavy rain? He sees a small cloud. You see, I believe God gives his people small encouragements. When you are prepared to live now, based on what you see then, you'll start to see a small encouragement. And that small encouragement to the prophet, to the man who had revelation, to the man who had a vision, that small encouragement was enough for him to say, go, 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 now's the time. Tucking his cloak in. Let's get there. Run quick. The cloud's this big. Poor servant's just got up and down a mountain seven times. He's probably thinking, really? Run quick. Are you sure? The cloud's this big. But no, 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 no. The one who's had a revelation... He's saying, I now need to restrain myself because I can see it. It's just starting to happen. It's only a small cloud, but it's the encouragement I needed. Now is the time to go. And look what happens here. At that point, 
small cloud. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab. What is Ahab traveling by? Chariot. How quick is he running? Usain Bolt's got nothing. They should have done the 100 meters back then, because I'm telling you, Elijah's got this locked down. Oh, I reckon he's two seconds. But the point is this. The power of the Lord came on the man who had a vision, who was prepared to restrain his life and believe for it when it wasn't yet seen. And when he got the encouragement, he was able to say, I am now pushing. Then the power of heaven came on his life, and he was able to go faster than is humanly possible. I want to say this to you. It's still true today. If you will get a revelation from heaven to say, what is my life to be about? What is my dream? What is my goal? And based on that revelation, you will say, I'm going to now restrain my life. I'm going to start living now as if it's going to be happening soon. Don't carry on living the same, believing for some dream and think it's just going to happen. God is looking for people to respond to the revelation. So he restrained himself. He sent his servant up and down the mountain. Go and look. It's not there. Go and look. I know it's coming. I've got a conviction in my heart. Go and look again. It's coming. It's not there. Go and look again. How many of us are in that moment where we've got a conviction in our heart and we need to keep looking again? Don't give up. Because the day will come when you get a small encouragement. And I believe in terms of my journey as a lead pastor, God all the time has given me small encouragements. One person got saved. Ten people got saved. Twenty people got saved. One person got healed. Someone was received some, a financial blessing. Someone got housed. An entire ministry in our, in our town now is being relocated because of us. Beacon House, which, which do so much great stuff for the homeless community, are moving down underneath us because we, we hooked them up. You know, we're getting clout and influence, small encouragements. I want that just to be the tip of an iceberg of how we as a church impact our town. People are getting housed, helped and healed because of you. Because we carry a dream. What's your personal dream? You know, do we need to shift something in our world to say, I believe that thing I'm seeing is going to be true. So what do I need to do now to position myself to step into that then? And the, the answer is we have to shift some stuff now. There's some restraining coming your way. And I pray you'll embrace it because it will rock your world. I love the way that he doesn't waver. Go again. Go again. I can't see anything, but I know it in my heart. Go again. Go again. What is a small cloud? Okay, now's the time. Run. He doesn't waver. He has a conviction. How much conviction is in the church nowadays? I am convinced Colchester will be changed. In fact, I believe God's changing my conviction even bigger because I believe the nation's going to be changed. And I believe we have an influence in Europe even. Things are just getting bigger. I love the fact we've had so many African students come with us and we still get messages back from students saying, you know, I'm in Sudan and I'm just living out some of the principles you taught me and my community is being changed. We're not there, but someone who is in Keswick Church is there. We're having great influence. These are encouragements. So, so good. I'm believing for some of you guys. We'll send you away one day and the things you're learning here will set you up for then. But only if you implement it. Don't get titillated and go, oh, that was really interesting. No, I don't want to be interesting. I'm going to rock your world for Jesus. Because then things will change. So how about this? Barry, I see some stuff and I dream some stuff. But how do you know it's God? How many of us ask that question? Can we simplify that question? Because sometimes I think we over-spiritualize it, so we end up doing nothing. Does it sound like God? You know, because... 
if, if you're getting an, an impression in your heart, if you're getting a prompting in your spirit to go and bless someone with a financial God, gift, does that sound like God? Yeah. It's probably God. Because it certainly ain't you. <laughs> you know, if you're, at the, if you're at the checkout and someone in front of you and God says, go and pay for their food, go and pay for their food, go and pay. And inside, everyone's been in that place where you, you just get this little prompting, like, oh, no, I'm just being stupid now, it's just me. And you, you just overanalyze it to the point where you talk yourself out of it. When it was always God. You know, when you go and do, do that prompt, who's blessed? The person and you and God. But what happens is we start saying, oh, am I hearing God or aren't I hearing God? You know, people talk about me. If any one of you in some, any kind of ministry role or any kind of prominence or people know you, you are getting talked about. The thing is, when you hear what they're saying, you need to ask yourself this question. Does that sound like Barry? Does he do that? Does he say that? Has he got that attitude? And you, because you know me, you can say, oh, it's probably just gossip. You know, how many huge world-renowned ministers get slagged off all over the internet? But did they do any of that stuff, really? Has it been taken out of context? Does it sound like them? Well, pl apply that to this. Does that sound like God? Does that sound like the heart of my father? Should I be pushing that door, asking that question, helping that person? Because here's the thing. When you start tuning into the little things, giving someone a financial gift, buying someone some shopping, stopping and speaking with someone, going and having a coffee with someone, praying, when you get good at that, you tune into the Father. You start tuning in. I read a great book that uh, Lizelle um, gave to me recently. It's called The Ten Second Rule. I recommend it to you if you hunt it down on the internet. I'm sure you'll find it. The 10 second rule. And the 10 second rule is this. If you get one of those prompts, give me a wave if you understand what I'm talking about when I said in prompts. See, we've always, lots of people have had a prompt. If you get one of those prompts, you've got 10 seconds. And if you leave it longer than 10 seconds, you will talk yourself out of it. So you've got 10 seconds to act. Because so, clearly God is speaking to you right now and saying, everyone needs to give Barry a thousand pounds. thousand pounds. You've got 10 seconds, guys. Come on. <laughs> but you get the point. See, if you leave it longer than 10 seconds, you start analyzing it. You start justifying it. You start thinking, I'm going to look silly. You make a way out of it. Whereas if we could be people who in three seconds say, okay, God, I'm just doing it. When you come to make big life choices, changing location. When you get to make big life choices, marrying someone. When you get to make, make big life choices, joining a church. When you get to make big life choices, starting a business, joining a company, taking a promotion, those things, you're already in tune with the Father's voice because you were obedient in the small things. You see, the trouble is so many of us are asking the big questions and we've never yet asked the small questions. We look at Elijah and you look back over his life, he has been obedient left, right and centre all of the time. So when he hears the sound of heavy rain, he knows because he's lived a lifestyle to take him to that point. But I hear the sound of heavy rain, and I hear it over your lives, and I hear it over our church, and I hear it over our nation. God is up to something, and we're right in the middle of it. just want to give Ingrid a little bit of honor, actually. Ingrid was the first person who moved country to be part of this church. Go on, Ingrid, stand up and let us give you a clap. Ingrid is from Canada, uh, awesome, awesome lady, and... Uh, Seven, eight years, seven, nine years ago, see, time flies, she felt God give her a prompt, move to England and be part of what I'm doing there. This country needs you. And so she joined, she went to the university and she studied about 16 degrees. 
And, uh, <laughs> but she has been so influenced. She has been a godsend to us. And those of you who have come under her ministry, you would know we're about to say goodbye to Ingrid, unfortunately, for us. She is now going to Germany. Um, June sometime, so relatively soon. So be prepared to say your goodbyes and give her a hug and thank her. We will see her again. Germany's not so far, but she's had a prompt. She's saying, I feel like, you know, I've helped you this far and God's calling me to Germany. And, you know, we're in connection with several German churches and we've been able to hook her up and she moves over there. She thinks she's going in two weeks' time to preach twice in Germany. Are you going to speak in German or English? Oh, I didn't understand a word of that. <laughs> Speaking in tongues again at the front, and we've got an interpretation. <laughs> but she's willing to move country on the call of God. Do you know why she can do that? Because she's been faithful in the small steps. And she's got a, a resounding call in her heart, and now she's restraining her life to step into it. And it will be good for her, it will be good for us, it will be good for the kingdom of God in Germany, it's going to be good for heaven because she's willing. And so let's cheer her on as she goes. And, uh, you know, much as it's obviously sad, and we were praying earlier, and there's no one to fill English shoes, but we don't want to fill English shoes. We want to make a space for God to fill. Yeah. And the right people will come. Yeah. And we will end up in a stronger position. And the church in Germany will end up in a stronger position because that's the heart of the Father. Yeah. So have you got a dream? Are you gifted for it? Are there any clear signs? Sometimes I feel like we, we feel like God is trying to trick us. You know, oh, I'm going to give you this dream. And you're like, oh, what's the dream? What's the dream? What's the dream? What's the dream? It's not, he's, not, he's not the Father in heaven going, oh, I'm going to tease you. Oh, I'm going to get you all the way through your life and you didn't quite make it. He will make it clear. Ask him. Ask him again. If you think you've got an inkling and you need more of an inkling, ask him again. I'm a father. And if Josh comes to me and says, Dad, what's your heart? What do you, what do you see for this? I'm not going to just give him some weird answer. I'm going to let him know. And that's my father in heaven. You know? Barry, I want you to start a church. Can you make it clear to me? It took me two years to start the church because I wanted to be sure because it's quite a big thing. But I got, I got confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after the confirmation until I became brave enough to say, come on, let's do it. And I've never looked back. And I pray for you guys. that If you've got a big dream in your heart, you'll get confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation because the Lord's not trying to trick you. I love that there's a stupid picture you might find on one of the you know, social medias of someone looking for Jesus. And they open up the door and there's this clearly a person standing behind the curtains with his feet sticking out the bottom. And you can see his feet in sandals. So it's obviously Jesus. <laughs> and it's almost like that. Oh, has anyone seen Jesus? And he's just there. He's like there. It's just like, I feel like God just, just hides a tiny little bit because he wants us to seek him out. But he's not hiding so much that you can't see him. You know, his feet are sticking out. You know, there he is. He's right there. Give him a tap. He's going to come out and go, hey, you found me. <laughs> That's the heart of my father right there. So if you're asking Jesus for some confirmation, he will give it to you. And then, just like Elijah, start. Yeah. Say something. Connect with some people. Shift something. Go up a mountain seven times. Whatever it is your calling is, just do it. And then be consistent. How many of us start something and a year in, stop? Be consistent. The reason this church is going somewhere and having a different sound coming out of it is because we've been consistent for 13 years now. We're seeing it as, as um, important because in Hebrew terms, 13 years is becoming an adult. So suddenly you're in the church right when we mature. God's going to do something amazing. Yeah. Hebrews 11.1 says this. 
Learn this scripture if you don't yet know it. Get this one in your heart. Get it in your head. Know it. Hebrews 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't yet see. So faith is, I, was, I, I didn't have a church, all the rest of it, and God dropped a, a seed in me that says start a church. And so I said, I believe you've said that to me. And now I am confident that I will see that. And so I start living like it. I start asking the questions. I start saying, come on, can we create a fund to rent a building? We start doing something because we're believing we're going to see it. And so we've been on this journey of faith as a church for what we see now. And you need to apply that same thing for you. You hear the sound of something different in your world, whatever that might be. You need to be confident then that I'm believing I'm going to see it. Can you see? Seeing and believing. I see it in my heart. I want to see it in my natural. And because I see it in my heart, I'm going to live differently now to step into it then. Because there's a belief and a conviction in me that I need to shift something so it becomes my reality. That's faith right there. And so I'm hoping there's going to be a gang of people here over the next year, over the next five years, where your world changes because you're seeing something now and you change how you're living to see it as a reality. Yeah? That's the kind of people we're going to be. I'm believing something for church. I'm believing for a symphony. Now, I know there's some good musos here. And symphony is this. Ultimately, symphonia means harmonious. And the idea of a symphony, we'll all get a picture of, you know, you've got a, uh, an orchestra. All different kinds of instruments. You've got the drums, and you've got the stringed instruments, and you've got the brass instruments, and you've got percussion, and you've got all this stuff. And then you've got the conductor. And they're all playing different things, but when they all play the different things at the same time, under the conductor, it sounds awesome. You know, you might have the drummer going, boom, 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 boom. And you think, oh, that's a bit boring. But then you add in, and you put them all together, it sounds amazing. <laughs> all on their own, they sound rubbish. All together, they, they sound amazing. And I believe that's the picture of church for us. That you don't all have to be me, and I don't have to be you. And what comes out, your sound might be different to my sound, but when we gather together at church and we put our sounds together, it sounds amazing. And the conductor is my Jesus. The conductor is the Holy Spirit saying, come on, I need you to be a bit louder now. You quieten down, your season's coming. But can you stand up? I need you to play right now. Now's your time. Up, now louder, you go louder. Can you see? The Holy Spirit conducts this symphony of church and we're all different, but together it sounds incredible. And it comes in unity. And there'll be different seasons. You know, Ingrid, looking at it through those terms, is about to go and make a great noise in Germany and it's going to sound great because it will add to what's already happening. It's going to leave a, a gap in our sound, but God's going to bring people to feel that. Just see what God's doing in terms of symphony. Uh, Psalm 133, verses 1 through, well, all of Psalm 133 says this. Again, these are brilliant passages. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. In Hebrew, that is, yahad. <laughs> Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. And here's the thing. You know, the, the dew, the oil speaks of anointing. 
And the anointing, ultimately anointing means to be rubbed in. But when we talk about it in church life, the anointing is God giving you the ability from heaven to do something you couldn't do on your own. And so when people are anointed, it's like they can go beyond themselves into something where that had to be God. And it had to be God. And here's the thing. In a church where there is a symphony, we have an anointing. And so God says, this is the anointing I'm giving to you. And I put it at the head. And so the anointings you see in our church and our leadership, anointings for communication, anointings for worship, anointings for care and counsel, anointings for faith and the miraculous, we carry this anointing. But it isn't just about the head. You see, what happens to the anointing, it goes down the beard. And it drops onto the cloak, and it runs down the cloak and gets to the hem of the cloak. And it even drops off the hem of the cloak onto the area it's standing. And so when you're talking about an anointing in our church, it's not about me or any of the leaders or the elders. It's about this anointing that runs down us all. And you know you're flowing in symphony when any member of your church is able to flow in the anointing of the leaders. Because it's not about the leaders, it's about the whole. And so you might say, I'll go to Kesset Church and you know, I've struggled to talk, but actually I come under Pastor Barry's anointing now because I'm part of that church and suddenly you'll find yourself able to communicate better. Because there's an anointing. It's, it's not about you, it's about him. You know, there's an anointing for the miraculous here. And you may never have prayed for someone before and you'll get that prompting in your spirit and you go, oh, I've never done it before. Five, six, seven, oh, I'm just going to do it. And when you pray, the anointings on our church will rest on you. Because it comes from the head, down the beard, onto the, onto the cloak. And you might see yourself as someone who's brand new here. But, and maybe right now in that picture, you might be the hem of the cloak because you're new. But the anointing still runs down. And you're in it. And it drops away. And how can the area be the same with an anointing that's running through the church? That sounds like a symphony. That we all do something slightly different. But when you put it together under the conduction of the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. And I just want to say, church, that we've done some incredible stuff. But the best is yet to come. Because we're maturing. We're understanding these things. God's gathering mature people. What's been amazing, even in the past three or four months, you look around, there's mature people are coming and saying, oh, you know, this is really great. Oh, can I, you know, we need mothers and fathers in this church. If you're an older person in this church considering this to be a home, we need you. There's an anointing here for mothers and fathers. These young people, lots of young people come into our church. They need some maturity in their life because they've got ideas and passions, but they need a sounding board. And the church will go on and have the influence we always hoped for. So what about you? What is your dream? What do you see? Because I know that people come to church to dream big with us. But most people are in church because they've got their own stuff going on. And I want to encourage you. Where do you see yourself in five years? Have you got a plan? What is the dream? Who do you want to be in five years? And whatever that is and whoever that is, start now. Don't wait five years, get back and look back and go, oh, I haven't really changed much. You change. You restrain because the dream God's given you in your heart. Change your thought patterns. Change your language. Change what you're doing in your finances. Change who you're hanging out with if you have to. Get into the Word. Chase down the Father. Because in five years' time, you look back and go, wow, so much has happened and I'm, so, I'm further than I thought I'd be. Because that's the heart of the Father. Will you see it and believe it and start acting like it now?
because we are going to be a huge impact in church because that's the dream God gave us. But we've got to be consistent and we've got to keep going. So can you turn up the volume in your world in terms of seeing and believing and start acting like it now? Can I pray for you? If you stand up, that'd be really cool. Let me just invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing. You, you don't have to. But it's helpful in this moment. Just as we connect with our Father. Lord, thank you for everyone here. Just gathering amazing, brilliant people. It's a privilege to be part of your symphony. It's a privilege to be walking under this anointing that you've given us. Something special from heaven for us as a group. Thank you. We carry that in an open hand, Father God, and say, have your way in us. But let your kingdom come here. Lord, I just pray for all these great guys and girls who might be wrestling with all kinds of thoughts right now about who they are and where they're headed and what their dream is and how they're going to achieve that. But Lord, I just speak peace right now. Let us rest in the fact that you've got our back. You're leading us forward. You're hemming us in from the side. You're our dad in heaven. So we don't stress. But at the same time, Lord God, help us to be intentional. To take our lives by the scruff of the neck and say, I'm heading somewhere. Because I've got a dream in my heart. I just want to invite you to raise your hand. If you know I've got a dream in my heart. I see something. I know I've got, got some stuff I want to achieve. Or something I want to do. Or... Just give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you guys. Bless you, bless you. Oh, so many people are so good. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Lord, you see those amazing people who had revelation. Lord, I pray an anointing on them right now that they wouldn't cast off restraint. Lord God, that they would make choices now because they believe what they're going to see then. Lord Jesus, anoint them for that. Give them great wisdom, courage, determination, consistency. Give them everything they need. Because we can't stay the same. Jesus. Is there anyone who feels like they listen to that and you're like, oh, I don't know what my dream is. I'm just wrestling with it. I'm not quite sure. And that's okay, you know. If that's you, can you just give me a raise? Can I come and pray for you? Give me a wave if that's you. Bless you there. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you at the back. So good. You can put your hands down. Earlier on, we were praying for the Holy Spirit to move amongst us. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to move amongst us again. I pray that you just begin to drop in thoughts into these brilliant people's thinking. Lord, not complicated, just simple. Help them to see something, highlight something to them in a way that they would understand. Let them grab hold of something to dream for. Thank you, Lord God, that you've already gifted them for that but they're going to have the ability already to achieve it. So Lord, I just pray for a greater connection with you right now. I encourage you guys, you need to give time. Can you give the Lord a bit of time to say, I'm seeking you over this. I want a dream in my heart. I want a vision. I want to see something. What do you want me to be doing in the next five years? Got to give it some time. But he will reveal it to you. always in every service I do I always want to give opportunity for anyone who feels disconnected from Jesus 
Are you in service today thinking, I want to be right with Jesus? I want to have a hope in my heart. I want that relationship with my Father you keep speaking about. Maybe you've drifted away from Jesus and need to reconnect. I don't know. But if you want to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, be central in my heart today, just give me a wave. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you there. So good. Anyone else? Three or four people responding. Heaven celebrates in these moments. You can put your hands down. Let's never take these moments for granted. You may remember the day you made your commitment. Special. So we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray the line, and then you pray the line as a church. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I invite you, Jesus, to be central in my heart, to be my Lord, Savior, and King, to lead me forward and to guide me in your plan. And all those people said, shall we celebrate with heaven?